0: Good morning, church. How are you? Amen. I can't see you. We've got to bring the lights up a little bit. Good. Good morning, everyone. Looking forward to uh, all that God is doing. What an amazing service we've had this morning, right? I feel like we've we've, uh, experienced God's presence, and I'm so thankful. It's really been an exciting season that we are in, and uh, God's doing so much. And I really believe God gives you seasons and moments uh, for an incredible purpose. We're going to be talking more about that in the weeks to come as we go through the summer. But... uh, I have been looking forward to today and next Sunday uh, for eight or nine months, if you'll believe it. Um, I went away uh, last year and was really praying and looking at the calendar and asking the Lord what uh, we would talk about on on Sunday mornings and some of the messages. And this mini series that we're about to begin today, it's only going to be two weeks long is something that God has been burning in my heart for, again, almost a year. And I'm so thankful that the day has come, and today we get to spend some time in God's Word. And Here's what I could tell you, um, because the Lord met us in a very special way uh, last service, that what we're going to talk about today is powerful stuff, church. What we're going to talk about today has the power um, that can really do something you could never imagine in your heart. You can experience a level of freedom that you haven't yet experienced that I pray you'll experience, you can experience breakthrough, and we can really see God's word transform our lives. But there's something that has to take place for that to take place, is that we need to allow God's word, the scriptures, the Bible, to move from head knowledge to heart knowledge, okay? This is something I've realized. We can know a lot about the Bible. You can know a lot about God and about Jesus. But if you only know it here and you don't yet know it here, then you leave and you're the same person you've always been. Nothing's different. And I found the need. As I was spending time, that this, this is just burned into my heart, the desire, the need for this truth to move from here to here. Because here's what happens when it's in your heart. It begins to flow through your hands. It begins to change the way that you live your life. If it's just here, you can know it and not do anything about it. If it's here, you can't help but live it out. It's reflected through the way that you live. That's my prayer today. And if that's what you need today, ask the Lord to help you as we get into this word this morning. You know, Jesus is the author of our story. It's one of the values that we hold to as a church. And when Jesus comes into your life and he begins to write your story, he does something amazing with it. He has the power to redeem, to change, to transform your past, and to give you a brand new beginning and a brand new life. And we see that so clearly in the book of Philemon. So, if you have your Bibles, would you open with me this morning for the first part of a two part series on the book of Philemon? It's found in the New Testament. And uh, I don't hear a lot of pages turning, so let me help you get there. Um, You're going to turn towards the back of the Bible. And you're going to get to, if you got to the book of Hebrews or to Revelation or to James and you're too far, you're going to go back. If you're in Corinthians or anything, no, you're, you're, you're too short. You've got to get right to Philemon. Um, it's right past Titus. Uh, you, you're, if you're in Ephesians, you're close. The reason I'll tell you this, you know why? In all seriousness, it's going to be easy for you to miss it like ten times because it's only found on one page of your Bible. This whole entire Bible, the whole book we're going to talk about today, is found within one chapter of one page of the Bible. You'll see it right here. It barely, it it takes up a quarter of the second page. Some of yours, you're going to see it's all there on one page. Don't be deceived by the size of this book, because what God is going to speak to us today is so powerful And there is something so amazing that is transformative in this as we see it. You know, you take this one page. It's what you're looking at right now. If you're there, say, say I'm there. You look at that, okay? Here's something I realized as I was studying this, this book in preparation for our messages. That if you didn't have any of the rest of the New Testament scriptures, and you only had the book of Philemon, if you only had this page right here in front of you, you would have what you need to understand the gospel, to understand the work of what Jesus has done for you, to understand the good news. You just need this right here. Are you with me? You want to know what's even more amazing? Is that nowhere on, the, on, on it does it say the death or resurrection of Jesus, but you will see demonstrated in what we're going to talk about today and next week the power of the gospel so clearly on display. And it's amazing. So I want us to dive in. I want us to get ready. I want to pray because we need God's help to receive and to allow us not to just catch it here but to have an awakening in our hearts to God's word. Would you pray with me this morning? Lord Jesus, we pray right now, Lord, this word is open before us, Lord God. But today, Lord, we need your help so that our hearts can be open, Lord, to receive it. Lord, we don't want to just know this, Lord God. We want to understand it in the depths of our being. And we want to come under, Lord God, this word that you have for us, Lord God. We want our lives to be shaped and transformed by the truth that you want to bring forth today. So we ask you, Holy Spirit, come and do the work. Thank you, Lord, that your word is alive and active. And we ask it it now to go deep into our hearts, to change us and to transform us, that we could live differently, we pray. In your name, amen. Amen. We're going to dive deep, church. Are you ready? We're going to dive in. If you have some notes, take notes with me. Uh, But lean in. Lean in. Don't miss anything this week and next week because God's going to take us on quite an adventure. So uh, to give you some background on this book, this is the book of Philemon. The reason it's titled Philemon is because it was written to a man named Philemon from the Apostle Paul. So the Apostle Paul wrote this. It's believed that it was written around 60 A.D. So that's about 30 years after Jesus died and rose from the grave. It was written. that, that, That date is important, so tuck that away in the back of your mind for later on in the message. But it was written there by the Apostle Paul. It was written while he was in chains in prison because he was preaching the gospel, the good news about Jesus. So he says, as he's in prison in Rome, and they believe it was either in Rome or Ephesus, but many lean towards Rome. As he was in Rome and in prison, he wrote this letter along with other letters that we have come to be known as the prison epistles or the prison letters. And there's some of the ones right before there. You'll see Ephesians and Colossians. He wrote these, uh, these letters right around the same time to those churches. This letter is written to this man named Philemon, And as we read in the introduction, uh, Paul is also with Timothy. So let's just begin there in Philemon chapter 1, verses uh, 1 through 3. It says, this letter is from Paul, a prisoner for preaching the good news about Jesus Christ. And from our brother Timothy. Paul always, because he had taken Timothy under his wing, he always uh, had Timothy with him, so he would introduce Timothy as well. And here's what he says. I am writing to Philemon, our beloved co-worker, and to our sister Aphria, and to our fellow, fellow soldier, Archippus, and to the church that meets in your house, may God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. So here's what Paul's saying. Paul introduces himself, he introduces Timothy with him, and then he addresses it to who he's talking to. He's writing this letter to Philemon. They believe that um, Aphia is his wife. And that Archippus is either his son or another prominent member of the church that's meeting in Philemon's home. It's important to know, church, that when you talk about going to church, you're not going to a building in this time. You're going to someone's house Buildings didn't show up in churches for a few hundred years after Jesus died and rose from the dead. Before that, people just met in each other's homes, as the book of Acts talks about. This is an example of that. The church met in his home. Do you know why? The church isn't a building. Amen? Say it with me. The church isn't a building. It's us. He didn't say it's us. It's us. All right, good. 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 So so we see this in the church's meeting. So Paul says, you know, may God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and mercy. See, this guy Philemon, a little bit about him, he was um, a very prominent man. He had some form of wealth, um, and Paul really loves him. He thinks so uh, kindly of him, and he begins to talk about that starting in verse 4. He says, I always thank my God when I pray for you, Philemon, because I keep hearing about your faith in the Lord Jesus, in your love for all God's people. You want to catch that right there. And I'm praying that you will put into action, you will live out the generosity that comes from your faith as you understand and experience all the good things we have in Christ. For me, I underline that verse in my Bible because I think that's to be the prayer of our hearts. Amen? that we will pray that we can put into action, we can live out the generosity that comes to us from our faith in Jesus and from all that we understand and experience. He says, your love has given me so much joy and comfort, my brother, for your kindness has often refreshed the hearts of God's people. So he's just saying very kind things about Philemon. Philemon is this man who is very well-to-do, very prominent, has the church, a church meeting in his house, and he was a man of nobility because uh, we see that the, um, you, you know, w- w- with the way that he, he grew up and the way that his house was structured and uh, the way that Paul's talking about the idea of refreshing is normally generosity. So he's giving, he's supporting, he's doing a lot with his resources to support God's work and God's people. But there's an issue. And this issue is about this man named Onesius, uh, and Onesius is... Onesimus, I'm sorry, is a slave that has run away from Philemon's home. So Onesimus is this man who is living in Paul's house, and he was a slave. Some of you, it got kind of quiet in here, because it's like, slave? Wait, Wait, what? In that time in Rome, slavery was common practice. Slavery is such an affront to the image of God. The Bible says in Genesis chapter, uh, as all, all the way from the beginning, as God created man, he says he created him in his own image. In, in, in the image of God, he created them. Do you want to know what slavery is? It's an affront to the image of God within us. It takes people and begins to make them property less than human. And all the way back, 2000 years ago, and even longer and longer, you can see it all throughout scripture that there was a degrading of human life, there was an affront to human life. And where it started off that man was made in the image of God, eventually there was this hierarchy that began to develop. And over time, you see things like slavery and these detestable practices take place. And you could think, wow, I mean, what an uncivilized time that they would have slaves. But I have to tell you, church, that today there are more slaves in the world than there were at any point in human history. Do you know that? So if we're, if we're heartbroken over this fact, it's not done yet. It hasn't been wiped out, and it hasn't been exterminated. It's sinful, and it comes against the image of God. But here we see it is as a part of everyday society. It's a part of the fabric of how they lived in the Roman culture. And so we see this happen. And there's this slave that he's run away, and not only has he run away, Onesimus has also taken something from Uh, From Philemon's home. He's taken something or he's disrupted his property. He's done something that he now owes back. So he's run away and he's left. And so Philemon has to deal with this. And Paul is writing this whole letter to begin to speak to Philemon's heart about what's going on with this slave that's run away and how he should deal with it in light of God and in light of what Christ has done. So while Paul is in prison, because he's writing from prison, He has this encounter with this runaway slave who somehow gets to him, whether he has been arrested, we do not know, or he literally knows he's in big trouble with Philemon, and Paul knows Philemon, so he can go and talk to him, and maybe Paul will put in a good word. We don't know how he got there, but we know for sure that somehow this runaway slave has gotten and made his way to the Apostle Paul in prison. And now we're about to see something. I'm telling you, what we're going to see here is bigger than you could ever imagine. I don't want you to miss the power of what we're about to talk about because two things take place. Two things are discussed within this letter that are transformative, that can change everything and can change our lives as well. Paul says to him in verse 8, are you with me, church? This, uh, that is why I am boldly asking a favor of you. He says, I have a big favor to ask, and it sounds like he's asking for something very important, but I promise you, if this is how big you think it is, it is through the roof what he's asking, what he's about to ask Philemon for. He says, I could demand it in the name of Christ, because that is the right thing for you to do, but because of our love, I prefer simply to ask you, consider this as a request from me. Paul, an old man and now also a prisoner for the sake of Christ. And so, what's amazing here is that you see the Apostle Paul that normally, whenever he writes letters and he's written different letters that we find in the New Testament of Scripture, when he writes them, he often introduces himself as an apostle. And an apostle means a sent one. And they were the ones that Jesus sent out. And they carried special authority. They, they, they were respected. They were honored. And Paul would use that title to assert himself. He had to correct a group of people and speak a very passionate letter to the church in Galatia in the book of Galatians. And as he does it, he establishes himself as an apostle. He says, I'm Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ. Jesus gave me the authority to say what I'm about to say to you. And so he uses that. But do you see any of that language here? No. He didn't say at the beginning. He didn't say I'm a a prisoner. Not a prisoner for Caesar or for Rome. I'm a prisoner for Jesus. And he says it again there. He said... And he doesn't say, and I'm telling you, I could order it from you, but consider this a request, not from the Apostle Paul, but from a fellow prisoner, an old man, Paul, who's a prisoner for the sake of Christ. I'm asking you for a big favor, Philemon. And he says, this is what I'm asking. He says, I appeal to you to show kindness to my son Onesimus. I have become his father in the faith while here in prison. Onesimus hasn't been of much use to you in the past, but now he is very useful to both of us. And I'm sending him back to you, and with him comes my own heart. This is important because Onesimus' name literally meant useful. So Paul's using this play on words. He's saying Onesimus, which means useful, hasn't been very useful to you in the past. I know he's done something wrong, but now Philemon, now he's very useful to both of us. And I'm going to tell you why. So you see, he begins to tell him that he says, I'm, uh, I've, I've become his father in the faith. He says, and he used to not be used to you, but now he will be of great use to both of us. But I can't help but pause here on verse 12, church. Look at verse 12 here. I am sending him back to you, and with him comes my own heart. There's a moment of tension here that you have to see because what Paul is saying to Philemon is I'm sending the runaway slave home. He's coming back to you. Normally, a runaway would not come back of their own terms because there would be an incredible punishment waiting for them. You see, when they went away, when they would run away and they would be caught or found in some way, there was a terrible punishment. They would be beaten, sometimes beaten nearly to death, whipped, scourged, whatever they could do then there would be one of three things that would take place, if not a combination of them. One of them would be, they would become branded. They would take a hot iron. They would put it in fire. They would take the slave and they would then press the hot iron normally into their forehead or a very prominent place on their body that would not be covered and could always be seen. And it would be the abbreviation for fugitive, Meaning that forever he will be marked as a runaway. Anyone that sees him, if it ever happens again, they could see him and normally just put him to death right there in that moment. That's option one. Option two is that he would be, he would begin to have a neck collar that would put, be put on him. So you would imagine the same way that I would have for my dog, that if my dog would run away, I'd have a little collar that would say, I belong to, you know, this dog belongs to my family or whatever the case is. They would mark a slave in the same way with a neck collar. But it would be the equivalent for me, my dog weighs about 10 pounds, of me putting a four or five pound weight around my dog's neck. It would be this giant thing and it would weigh them down and it would have this inscription on it and everywhere he'd go. He would be marked and, and he would have that and it would be a weight and it would be very difficult for him to live. That's option two. Option three, crucifixion. In the Roman world, Jesus was crucified on a cross because that's what they did to those that they saw as religious or political extremists. But you know what else they also did on the cross? They crucified runaway slaves. Those are, one of, those are the three things that will be waiting for Onesimus when he got back to Philemon. Whenever he was caught by the authorities, whenever he had to begin to pay for what happened and what he did wrong from running away, that's what's waiting for him. But here's what the Apostle Paul says. I'm sending him back. And when he comes back to you, there's something important that you need to know. That he has now become my son, Philemon, in the faith. What does that mean? The Apostle Paul in prison led this runaway slave, Onesimus, to the Lord. He came into a relationship with Jesus when he went to visit the Apostle Paul. And here's where it gets even better. Now the Apostle Paul says... Whenever he gets back to you, I want you to receive him. Bottom line is, I want you to forgive him, Philemon. I don't want you to hold any of this against him, Philemon. I don't want you to take any of this out on him, Philemon. I want you to receive him to yourself. Receive him back. Because why? Because he's come to faith in Jesus Bottom line is, Paul sending back a runaway slave any other circumstance, he would be killed, beaten, he, 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 all the things that I just described to you. But in this moment, the Apostle Paul says there's something brand new that's happened. He's come to Jesus, and he's not the same that he used to be. No, no, Philemon, we're not going to crucify him. Do you know why? Because what I said to the church in Galatia, because Apostle Paul wrote a letter to them, I have been crucified with Jesus. I no longer live. Jesus now lives in me. The same is true for Onesimus now. He has already been crucified with Jesus. You're not going to do anything to him, Philemon. The Bible says that anyone that's in Jesus is a new creation, a new creature. The old has passed. The new has come. Philemon, when he gets to you, he's not coming back as the runaway slave. He's coming back as someone forgiven by Jesus and a son and daughter. That's how he's coming back. What the Apostle Paul is saying is, Philemon, the grace and the forgiveness that has flowed into your life needs to flow through your life to the one who has wronged you. The one who you have every legal right in that world and custom to do whatever you wanted to. You don't do it. You forgive him and receive him to yourself. The Apostle Paul goes even further and he begins to say, I wanted to keep him here with me. I wanted to have him continue to serve with me as I'm in chains for preaching the good news. And he would have helped me on your behalf, but I didn't want to do anything without your consent. I wanted to, you to help because you were willing, not because you were forced. And this is, this is the amazing part of, uh, of what he's saying. He's saying this, that when you welcome him back, I want you to welcome him back as though you were welcoming me back. I want you to receive him in the same heart that you would for me. The Apostle Paul is saying all this to him. Are you still with me, church? Are you still tracking? You're a little quiet. I hope you're still with me. Now we get to part two of Paul's incredible request. Here's what he says. It seems that you lost Onesimus for a little while so you could have him back forever. Seems that he's run away for a little while, but I'm telling you that's happened so that now you could have him forever. The Bible says we will dwell in the house of the Lord Forever. But here's the big, here's the big request. Are you ready for it? When he comes back, verse 16, he is no longer like a slave to you. He was more than a slave. He is meant to be your beloved brother, especially to me. Did you catch that, church? He says this, I want you to forgive him of what he's done. I want you to hold none of that against him. And when he gets back, he's not coming into your house as a slave. He's coming into your house as a brother in Christ. Are you, are, are you catching this, church? The weight of what happens in this moment, that the Apostle Paul takes what the world or that time says is we have, we have people and then we have slaves which are seen as property, and he said, no, that is not the way that you're seen in Christ. That's not who you are. The Bible says in Galatians chapter 4, Paul sent those words there. He says that if you are now a son, you're no longer a slave, and if you're a son or a daughter, you're an heir through God. He says, in Christ, there is no longer any Jew, nor Greek, male, nor female, slave, nor free. They're all one in Christ. What he's saying to Philemon is, we have to demonstrate the power of the gospel in this moment, that if we say it, and if we proclaim it, and if spiritually it is true, then he is no longer a slave in your home. He's a brother in Christ. He doesn't eat over here. He sits at your table. Paul goes so far as to say this. He says, If you consider me a partner, verse 17, welcome him as you would welcome me. When Onesimus shows up at your house, I want you to open the door to him like you'd open the door to me. And if he has wronged you in any way or owes you anything, charge it to me, Paul said. And I love this part because the Apostle Paul, as he's saying this letter, someone is writing it, A scribe is normally writing the letter, and then they would take it and deliver it. But Paul said at this moment, hey, give me that. And he then took the writing instrument, and he began to write in his own hand. And he says it right here, I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it. And I love what Paul says right after. He says, and I'm not going to mention that you owe me your entire very soul. (laughs) By the way, Philemon, who's the one that led you to Jesus? It was me. He said, you owe me your very soul, but I'll pay you back whatever it is that you think is so valuable that he took from you. So Paul is the spiritual father of Philemon, and now Paul says, I'm also the spiritual father of Onesimus, and now he's no longer your slave, he's your brother because we all look to Jesus. Are you with me still? Here's why this is so important, because in 1865, In 1865, December 6th, slavery was finally abolished in the United States of America. It took 1,805 years to figure out what Paul said in this moment in the book of Philemon, that no longer is it slave nor free. You're one in Christ. Jesus has made the difference in your life. In a moment, he abolishes slavery between those two people in that action. And family, it took us 1,800 more years as a nation even to figure that out. Do you see the weight of this? Do you understand the implications of what's happening here in this moment? That he's asking him to do so much. He's asking him to change everything. The whole structure of how that place was structured and the whole way that community functioned. He said, no, no, it's not going to be that way when he returns. It's going to be different. You welcome him as you welcome me. I'm going to invite the worship team to come forward. He says, if you consider me a partner, then you welcome him in that way. He says, yes, my brother, please do this favor for the Lord's sake. Give me this encouragement in Christ. I am confident as I write this letter that you will do what I ask and even more. And he said, one more thing, prepare a guest room for me, for I'm hoping that God will answer your prayers and let me return to you soon. I mean, that's also a little bit of accountability on Paul's sake. By the way, I'll be there at your house soon enough to see what's going on to see how this went. But do you see what the Apostle Paul says? He says, I'm confident, Philemon, that not only are you going to do what I've asked you to do, you're going to do even more. What's so amazing about this, church? What's so amazing about this is that it shows and demonstrates the power of what Jesus has done in our lives. I want you to know today, for some of us, you're here and you carry a weight, and you carry shame, and you carry all kinds of things, and your past is chasing after you the same way it was, Onesimus. You're you're running away from it, and you seem to continue to carry it, and you don't know what to do about it, and you're there, and you're here, and you're in Christ, but you're still carrying baggage from yesterday. And what, the, what we see in God's word and what the Lord declares to you 2,000 years later is that if you're in Christ, you're a new creation. You don't carry that anymore. You're not branded by your past. You don't carry the weight of shame. You don't need to crucify yourself every day. You've been crucified in Jesus. He's paid the price for you. He's given you his forgiveness. He's given you your grace, the grace that can only come from him if you've turned your heart to him you're right with him today but what's powerful in this moment those words welcome Onesimus as you would welcome me I'm quite sure that in the life in the world we're living today it can be challenging for us to grasp the idea of slavery and someone owning a slave like pastor where do I fit into this Every single one of us, every single one of us knows what it feels like to have someone who's wronged you, who's hurt you, who's betrayed you, and who you're carrying a debt against. We call it unforgiveness. call it bitterness, we call it anger, we call it all kinds of other things, but but it's as if we've taken an accounting of all the things people have done to wrong us, and we carry that around with us every single day, and we're waiting. We're waiting for everything to be made right. We're waiting for our opportunity to be able to to turn the tides, to settle the scales, to, to do what's right and get things equal again, and we're carrying it around with us. And as time's gone on, we're walking around with that over and over and over again. Just like Philemon would have been. I couldn't imagine being wronged in that way and and all the anger and frustration, him pacing and wondering, what am I going to do whenever we find him and how are we going to make right what's been made wrong? And and he's doing that. And in this moment, the Lord speaks to the Apostle Paul and says this. Onesimus is coming. And when he gets there, it's God's forgiveness that needs to flow through your life in that moment. Welcome him as you'd welcome me. Could you imagine today if I were to tell you the person who's wronged you is coming to your house this afternoon, is showing up at your front door this week, is coming over to your desk at work tomorrow. And they're going to come and they're going to be ready to hear whatever you want. They're going to be ready to do whatever you want to do. They're going to be completely completely open to you. They're coming humbly. They're coming just, you could do and say whatever it is you want to do and say. And what if in this moment, the Lord told you, Jesus came and spoke to you. said, they're coming this week. And when they get there, I want you to welcome them, say to them, do to them what you would do to me. Do you see that church? Do you feel that? The power of forgiveness, the power of what Christ can do in our lives, the difference that he can make, that's why it's so powerful when Jesus said, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. There's something so powerful about forgiveness, and this is a story of forgiveness, where the Apostle Paul says, this is what it looks like if you want to do this, if you want it to move from here to here, this is what it looks like. Those who have wronged you are forgiven. Those who are slaves, they are set free, they're made sons and daughters in Christ. He said, everything changes because of Jesus, and who the Son sets free is free indeed. Paul gives this call, he gives this plea, but here's what he says as you bow your heads and your hearts with me this morning. He said, Onesimus is coming. I believe God has that word for us today. Onesimus is coming. I think there are opportunities in this season that God is going to begin to bring to you where there have been some wrongs and some hurts and some pains that you've been carrying and you've been carrying the heavy burden of unforgiveness. And if you carry it too long, that burden becomes a bitterness within you. And as you're walking with it, the Lord says Onesimus is coming. There's going to be an opportunity right now, right here, today, in this moment, in this season for forgiveness to flow for you to be set free. Because in that moment, if Philemon doesn't respond in the way that we're talking about here, then you know what? The the roles are reversed. Paul is in prison, but he's free. And Philemon is in his house, but he's in prison by his unforgiveness. It's easy to show up in church. It's easy to be in church. It's easy to lead churches. And you're stuck in unforgiveness. There's a freedom that comes when we're bold enough and brave enough to take the step that God calls his people to in this passage of scripture we've looked at today. Onesimus is coming. Could you imagine with me? And some believe that Paul may have given the letter to Onesimus to deliver to Philemon. So as he shows up, he might be showing up with the letter in his hand. Here, Paul wanted you to read this. But regardless of whether he had the letter or he came after the letter. Could you imagine that moment sitting in that house? Onesimus is coming. Are we ready with God's help to answer the door with forgiveness, with the grace and mercy of God? And if we do the gift of that, then peace that will fill your life like never before. With your heads bowed, your eyes closed, you have to ask this question, who do I need to forgive today? Who am I holding a debt against? Who am I not viewing in the right way? Who do I have prejudice towards? Who, 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 who has hurt me and, and allowed that hurt to fester within me that needs to be healed today would you all stand to your feet with me this morning perhaps there are those names of people that are coming to mind these situations that are there I, I sat at the altar at the end of service everyone else had left and a man came down. I hadn't really ever talked to him or sat with him before. But he came down. He sat right, right right behind me. And his arms were folded. And he began to say, what happens? It was a good message, but what happens if I just don't want to forgive? He said, has Jesus forgiven you? He said, yes. But I don't want to forgive them. I talked about it. So Jesus talks about forgive us the same way that we forgive others, Lord. He said, kind of forgave him, I think. Maybe, maybe not. But I'll just ask God to help me. I I don't know. He couldn't get there. Tears in his eyes. Just just everything within him. I want you to pray. Just intercede for him this week. You don't need to know his name. You don't need to know anything else. I don't even know who it is. He wouldn't even open his mouth about who, who it is that he needs to forgive. But I watched someone there, and he said, what can I do? Here's the question. What can I do to get peace if I don't want to forgive them? I said, there's nothing you can do can't have the peace. I'm saying this today not to call someone out. I'm saying it today because I think he was one of many people that are in the room right now that are asking that same very same question. God, how can I get around forgiving the way that you forgave me and still have peace in my heart? and still have the promises that your word says. And I'm here to tell you, I don't think you can in any other way. It comes through the forgiveness that is found in the name and power of Jesus Christ. And if you're willing to be brave, if you're willing to call upon him, he can give you the ability to forgive and experience a transforming grace that only comes from him. So bow your heads with me, bow your hearts one more time. If there's someone today that, You need to forgive. You need to release the debt you've been holding on to. You've been carrying a burden against them. You've been waiting for your opportunity for revenge, repayment, something. What forgiveness looks like is it is a releasing. It's a releasing of debt. It's a releasing of obligation. It's a releasing of anything they owe you. You owe me nothing. Your debt is completely forgiven. I forgive you. I forgive you of it. It's forgiven. It's done. They don't need to be here. They don't even still need to be alive for you to be able to forgive. It's a choice from you. It doesn't have anything to do with them. You will choose. Do I wipe it out? Do I erase the slate? Do I ask for no repayment of it? And am I willing to lay it all at the feet of Jesus? Because he did the same thing for me. If you're ready today, I want you to pray with me. And I want to just pray. And here's what I I want to do. I want us to ask Jesus to help us. We need him. Some of us, we don't even know where to start with this, if you're honest. But all we can do is we can cry out to the Lord, can't we? And we can ask him. Jesus, help me. Help me to forgive like you've forgiven me, Lord. Help me to do this. And if that's a cry of your heart, you don't even know how you're going to do it yet. Maybe it's really hard for you, but would you lift your hands to heaven right now and just ask Jesus, Jesus, come and help me, Lord God. Help me, Lord, to respond the way that you'd want me to respond. Help me to forgive the way that you've forgiven me. Help me to release the debt even right now, Lord God. Cleanse my heart from the bitterness. Cleanse my heart from the pain. Cleanse my heart from the things that I've held back. Lord, I release it today to you in Jesus' name. They owe me nothing, Lord God. Oh, Lord, sweep over this place by your grace, by your mercy. Would forgiveness mark our lives? Would there be a freedom and a peace that reigns, Lord, in every heart, in every home? Because forgiveness has flown. Lord, we thank you, Lord God, that you'll do it. And Lord, we ask you today for your continued help, for your continued grace, for your continued mercy. Lord God, help us today to apply this word to our lives that we can experience the fullness of the freedom that only you can bring. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen and amen. Praise God. I'm going to invite the altar team to come forward, the prayer team at this time right before you leave, just one last word before you're dismissed. This is part one of two messages. You need to come back next week. We're going to finish out this and we're going to look at it from um, um, uh, Onesimus' side of things. We're going to see it from that perspective and God's going to do a deep transforming work. I really believe God has something special in store for us and that the truth of who he is is going to move from here to here. Amen. God bless you as you go today. If you need prayer, please come forward. We'll see you next Sunday morning. Invite a friend. Share this message with someone that you think needs to hear it.